Let's turn to our uh, scriptures for this morning. And the passage comes from Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to start reading at verse uh, 39. If you want to grab a Bible, there's plenty available uh, at the back. Uh, or stick a hand up and someone will grab one for you. As we want to make our mass exodus towards the shelves. Uh, but Luke chapter 1, I'm going to start reading at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil her promise to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he's sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Spread your wings of mercy over me, and guard my heart with true humility. No shadow of the darkness pressing in. Yeah. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for your words today that so often you've longed to cast your wings over us and gather us as a hen would gather her chicks. And Lord, we confess that so often we chase safety and security and strength in so many other places. But Lord, might we know that holy overshadowing today of what it is to be sheltered by the Most High, to be overshadowed by the Almighty. Lord, for each and every one of us today, whether this is a, a new place for us or a very familiar place, might we come to that place today of knowing that we're held, of knowing that we're loved, of knowing that we're safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I was going to say last Sunday, but last Sunday was Carols for All Ages, wasn't it? Two Sundays ago, uh, we started a Christmas series together called What to Expect When You're Expecting. So apologies to anybody who thought this might be a prenatal, what do they call it? Antenatal class. Oh, it seems weird to call it anti-something, doesn't it? Uh, if you thought it was one of those, it's not. Uh, we're journeying with, with Mary from this experience of encountering an angelic presence of being given a promise over your life, something bigger than anything she's known before, and carrying that. How do you carry a, a promise from God? How do you hold on to a vision uh, from him? We saw last time what to expect when you're expecting. Well, for Mary, it meant fear, confusion, and questions. So if you've ever had a vision from God, and it's filled you full of fear and confusion and questions. You're in really good company. It's perfectly normal. But with that, that promise of God's presence, the God who is Emmanuel, who goes with us and before us and in us and works through us. And we're going to pick up that series in this story uh, today. We're going to kind of try and think about clarifying the promise, crystallizing the vision. I don't know if you've noticed this thing, I've, I've noticed it from time to time, how when somebody uh, has that sense of being called into something or a vision for something, uh, in the early days it gets kind of talked about like this. Um, I've got a sense of something, and I'm not quite sure if I should explore if it's right or not, but there's something there. And we've all heard people sort of share a vision with us, hopefully, or, uh, not, if not with us, with others, in that sort of, it's there, but it's fragile, it's not yet tangible, but something's going on. And then you journey with people, or you watch people grow and step out for God and do stuff. And then you hear them talk about, and God said to me one day, I have to do this. And suddenly they've gone from this sense of, is there something that God is saying? Is this something that God wants me to do? To this huge sense of, and God definitely spoke to me that day. And there's been this huge sense of, 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 of confidence in it, of, of confirmation. Have you noticed that? It's interesting, isn't it? How do you go from here? Is God speaking to here? God definitely spoke to me, and I'm definitely serving in the right way. What, what, what are the kind of the steps? What's the maneuver from one to the other? I want to explore that this morning a little bit with Mary. So Mary, on an ordinary day, as far as we know, in an ordinary place, an ordinary girl, is encountered by this presence, encounters this presence of an angelic being so huge, so real, 
the angel's got to say to her, don't be afraid. This is a good news story. I've got good news for you. But nevertheless, she's told that the Holy Spirit will overshadow her and that this child, this miracle child that will be born within her is going to be called the Son of God. And then the angel says, even your cousin Elizabeth, uh, who is in her old age, is expecting a child. And he, she who was thought to be barren is with child. For with God, nothing thought to be impossible by man will be impossible. And so Mary's got this two, these two things in her mind. She's got this promise that she, though she's a virgin, is carrying this miracle child. Not just the miracle child, but the one who will be called the Son of the Most High. She's got that. But she's also got this other thing. My cousin Elizabeth, never been able to have children well past childbearing age, the angel told me that she was pregnant as well. So it's no surprise, I don't think, that in the next sort of passage, the next time we read about Mary, Mary's hot-footing it off to Elizabeth. Because if Elizabeth is pregnant, well then, what I sensed, what I felt, was true as well. I just want to paint a picture of this for you, because sometimes we read these verses in the Bible, don't we, that Mary popped down to see her cousin. Let me just paint this for you. Mary is in a town up in Nazareth, kind of in the north of the country. Uh, the traditional home uh, of uh, Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth uh, is way down in the south, in a place called Enkarem. Uh, to get there is going to take a huge amount of work. It's not an easy road. It's not an easy place to get to. Plus the fact that not even her fiancé at the time, Joseph, believed her. He's got plans that are brewing in his mind to divorce her quietly because he loves her. He's a good guy. He doesn't want to expose her to public disgrace, but neither does he want to have to carry someone else's mistake as far as he thought at the time. And so she's somehow got to get from here to there. It's a distance of about 80 miles, before Ubers and megabuses and high-speed trains, she's got to get herself from there to Elizabeth. Incredible. But something in her has got to get there, has got to see Elizabeth, has got to know uh, what's going on for her, because there's a mirror here. There's two miracle babies at the same time, very different baby, uh, miracle babies, but nevertheless, two. So she gets out and she travels to see her. Think about this moment when she meets Elizabeth here for the first time. What does Elizabeth know about Mary? Well, probably, chances are, she doesn't even know she's coming. Again, this was in days before kind of text messages or even postal services or Facebook, because, you know, Elizabeth is old, so she would have been on Facebook, not whatever people are using today. Uh, so she, she would have had no notion that Mary was even coming. They haven't spoken before this point. So stories about angels and virgin birth and miracles and prophecies have not entered Elizabeth's mind at all. What she's carrying is a different promise. Zechariah has been told by an angel in the temple that she's going to give birth to a son, and he will prepare the way for the Messiah, that he, and this is a unique promise, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. And as if to confirm that, as soon as Elizabeth hears Mary's voice calling her name, John the Baptist, not even born yet, leaps for joy. That's the one. Even as an embryo, I guess, or something like that, he was pointing the way. 
And as that happens, Elizabeth recognizes something more significant than a kiss. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. Interestingly, the phrase filled with the Holy Spirit comes nowhere in in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit would come to people or come upon people for specific times or in specific ways. But here with the coming of Jesus comes a new promise that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Incredible. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, starts to speak over Mary. These words must have been so confirming for her. Can you imagine this moment, this poor young girl? There's a, a, a song that um, Gren Kendrick wrote a few years ago, Thorns in the Straw. Do you remember that one? From the Rumors of Angels uh, album. Fantastic song. Uh, and in that, there's a line that says, the only certain thing was the child that moved within I think for Mary up until this point, there was a sense of that, wasn't there? All I really know is that an angel said I would conceive, and, and I have. And so here, stood in front of her older cousin, hearing these words must have been hugely confirming. Uh, and the word that keeps coming, thanks, Luke. Uh, the word that keeps people enjoying themselves in church, shocking. The word that keeps coming out of her mouth, of course, is this word, blessed. Blessed are you. Among all women, you're blessed. And blessed is the child that you bet. Who told Elizabeth that Mary bore a child? She wouldn't have expected it. They were scandalous back in the day to have a child out of wedlock. She's not imagining this. She's not fast-forwarding the clock. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. Blessed is the child that you bear. But why am I so blessed that you should bring, and this is the phrase, the mother of my Lord to me. And then she says, and blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has promised to her will be fulfilled. So for Mary, wanting to go and see Elizabeth, wanting just to explore if what the angel said to me is true, my older cousin who was barren will be pregnant. Going, going to see that, going to test that, is not seen here as a lack of faith, but actually is, is, is praise. Blessed are you who has believed that the word that was spoken to you has been fulfilled. And I wonder sometimes if God has spoken to us in a special way, or there's been a sense of calling, or vision, or equipping, or gifting, or whatever it is, and we've been a little bit nervous about sort of exploring that, about testing it. We thought, shouldn't I just trust? Shouldn't I just believe? Shouldn't I not have questions or fears or or doubts about this? But actually, for Mary, testing this was a way in which her faith is affirmed. You've come here because you're expecting me to be pregnant too, and you're blessed because you've believed. Wanting to test a word is not a sign of a lack of faith here at all. I love the stories of the early church, the way in which the coming of the Holy Spirit empowered them for the work of mission. This is our history. This is our story. This is the story that that same Holy Spirit is still writing. That promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit that the old would see dreams and the young would have visions on men and women and servants as well. 
God was going to pour out his spirit, the old sort of class, racial, sexual barriers uh, of, of, of who was important, of who could lead, of who could minister, were all being washed away with the coming of the spirit. This is for anyone and everyone. And the church has got to learn how they deal with this. The first place in society where both masters and slaves worship together, where men and women worship together. This was a new thing. and They've got to work out what that looks like. And at one point, Paul writes to one church, and he says, when God is speaking, do not quench the Spirit. It's an incredible phrase, isn't it? Don't do anything to dampen or lessen or manage the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't treat prophecy with contempt, but test them all. Then hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. So there's a, a lot going on there in a few verses. He's saying, when God is speaking, let's not be contemptuous about it. Let's not treat it harshly. But that doesn't mean that anything and everything is right and that everything goes. There's, there's a process then of testing, of holding that. You can test things in many ways, can't you? The litmus test is, of course, the Word of God. How do we know how God speaks to us? Well, we've got a record of God speaking. and You can hold it up and look at it and say, well, does it, does it resonate with what God has already said? Does it sound like God? Does it flow in, in the promise, in this unfolding story of what the Holy Spirit is doing? That's one test. We're also told that there's a fruit test as well. What's the outcome of this? What grows from this? Jesus is really clear. A bad tree can't grow good fruit. A good tree can't grow bad fruit. So what is the fruit of it? That'll lead you back to the source. There's the gift of discernment. That's such a precious gift. We're told that one of the things the Holy Spirit gives to us, one of the gifts, is this gift of, of discernment. Being able to decipher, to, to, to weigh up. He says you've got to test everything, but then hold on to what is good. Because when he speaks... When he comes, when he moves. Paul gives us a, uh, another picture of this uh, later on in um, the, when he writes to the church in, in Corinth. Uh, the, the letter to the church in Corinth is, is a fascinating read, uh, mainly because there was uh, an explosion of, of spiritual gifting there, but it wasn't matched, it seems, with spiritual maturity. And so Paul is writing to them to say, it's great that you've got so many gifts, but Make sure there's room for everyone to explore their gifts. And I love this verse in chapter 14 where he says to them, listen, just let two or three people prophesy and then let everyone else weigh up, listen carefully to what's being said. And this idea of weighing something is quite helpful, isn't it, in, in discernment. Uh, just, just hold it for a second. Uh, I love the expectation, though, in this verse. Just, just two or three <laughs> Prophecies per service, please, if, if that's okay. He goes on to be really clear. That God is a God not of disorder, but of peace. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the control of the prophets. That's what he says. That we can control it. It's not something that takes over. So do it in decency and in order. But let God speak. And then as a wise, mature fellowship, just weigh that. Just hold that carefully. We see a, a glimpse of that, don't we, here? That Mary is, is holding something precious. 
something huge, a, a promise from God. And now, in this encounter with Elizabeth, I don't know what she was expecting. I don't know if she was thinking, I'll drop it into conversation at some point while I'm staying with her. But now she's got this ally, hasn't she? She's got somebody who holds a similar calling, a similar vision to her. Someone who's about to walk through it before her, to walk through it with her. One of the things that I've um, learned over the years is that there's power sometimes in speaking something out. And I wonder if maybe for some of us here, there's been that sense that we've kind of been over here a while. God, are you saying something? Are you shaping something in me? Are you calling something out of me? And, and we've held it for a while. And what we've really needed is somebody to share that with. Somebody to speak with. Somebody who's perhaps been through something similar or is going through something similar. Someone who knows us and loves us, who can weigh it with us for a while. I wonder how many visions have stalled because they've remained in that sort of inner, sort of secret, quiet place and have needed somebody to fan it into flame, to encourage it. Somebody to say, yeah, I see that gift in you. I see that ministry in you. I see the work of the Holy Spirit in you. It's amazing what happens when we encourage, isn't it? Over the years, uh, I've seen so many times the enemy come against passion and calling and vision. And for me, there's been sort of three major ways that he'll do that. Uh, the first is by deception. He just so lies into a situation. That's so damaging. Another way is by distraction. Just fill our minds and our lives with other stuff or other things that seem really good and important but take our eye off the prize. But the third one is, is discouragement. And maybe there's been a sense today that something that the Spirit was doing or is doing or has been doing has been quenched by discouragement. Sometimes it's not words, sometimes it's a look or a lack of words. Sometimes the lack of encouragement can be deafening, crushing. One of the things I've always valued so deeply about us as a fellowship together is the safety among us to dream together, to listen to God together, but not just in the anything goes kind of way, but to hold it, to explore it, to examine it. I wonder what would be born if we just took time to encourage it out of each other. I wonder what would happen today if we just took some time, not to do this incidentally, but just sat and thought, who can I see that's headed towards love and good deeds that I can spur on? The Bible, by the way, commands us to do that daily. Once a day, at least. Probably the most broken commandment in the New Testament. Who needs encouraging? Because encouragement is like adrenaline, isn't it? Especially when you're tired or exhausted or deflated about something. And someone stands with you and says, God was at work in that. It does something to us. 
I wonder what it did for Mary, having somebody who saw what God was doing and spoke it, called it uh, into being. In Ecclesiastes, the, the writer there puts it this way, that two are better than one because they will have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help them up. Uh, and Hang on. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Let's just go on. I think I've misquoted that one. This is the better one to land on anyway. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And it's true, isn't it, that if we're going to say, I think God might be at work in this, or I think God might be speaking, there are times we just need someone to stand with us. It goes on to say, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken, which of course is the weaving the presence, the Spirit of God in and through those promises. What Mary and Elizabeth share is this deep bond. God is at work in you, in me. There's something coming. There's something happening. I don't fully understand it all yet. I don't fully see the end of it all yet, but I see that God is at work in and through all of this. I wanted to take a, a moment this morning just to um, share something that's been happening fairly recently with us um, as churches together, as, as leaders together, um, because I want to invite you to, to weigh it and to pray into it, to hold it uh, with us. First of all, apologies uh, for some people who've heard this a number of times now, I've been sharing it in a number of places um, prayer and praise and members meetings and leaders meetings. So if you're hearing this for the third or fourth time, apologies, but let me just share with you. Um, some top, so at some point after Easter this year, I had some time off and I was walking the dog. I wish I could say it was something more spiritual. I was prayer walking or something, but it was just a dog walk. Uh, and um, we were out walking. It was one of those beautiful days where nothing made you to get back for, so we just kept going, the dog and I. Uh, and so we went up to Castle Cork, because from where I live, you can walk up through uh, Tong Gwynlais and, and head up that way. And uh, I was thinking to myself, if I can go and get a selfie in front of Castle Cork, I will look like the fittest member of the family, and I'll have bragging rights for a while. So I headed up there. This was the only, only motivation I had. Uh, when I got there, there's a, some of you may know this, from the car park, there's a path that leads up in, onto the mountain. And you can either go... Right, which is, if we ever go that way, that's the way we normally go, because there's a tea room that you can get to. Um, but this day, we got to the top of those steps and just decided to go left. And there uh, was a clearing in the woods coming up. And so I went there and stopped there for a while. And um, I don't know if you ever get this, but suddenly there was a sense that God just wanted a moment with me. Out of nowhere. And so I stopped, um, actually sat down because it was dry. The dog was very, very confused, um, but she sat down as well uh, and was just praying. And from where I was sat, I could see, I've never seen this view before, but th in this spot, you can see Castle Cork. And from there, you get the sense of the village beyond that and then the villages beyond that, North Cardiff, etc. And I was just sat there uh, and I had this picture and it was a picture of a dam, and this dam had loads of logs and twigs and stones and mud in it, but it was compact, it was really thick. And coming up to this dam, there was this water, powerful water, lapping up against it, but couldn't get through. 
I don't think of myself as an overly emotional person, but it was desperately sad, really sad that this water was being blocked. Uh, so I sat there for that, with that for a while, and then uh, somebody came from the left of this picture and, and grabbed onto a, a branch and tried to start to move it. And when I say tried, it was sweat coming and tears and just effort. Uh, nothing, just couldn't, couldn't budge this thing at all. And then from the other side, someone came, same thing, tried to shift it. So that guy went, then a new person came, tried to shift it, nothing. Eventually gave up and went away. And then suddenly, all of these people came and leapt upon the top of this dam and start attacking it. And the thing doesn't just break, it bursts. And all of this water starts to flow down over the mountain, over the castle, into the villages. And the people who you might thought would be slightly annoyed about this in my vision are just so happy. There's high-fiving and laughing and this excitement that this water has, has begun to flow. And there was a tremendous sense that there was some sort of stronghold, there was some sort of blessing that God had been wanting to give to, I don't think it's a territorial thing, I think it's just this city, this area that was being held back somehow. So I walked away, walked home with the dog that day and just sort of held it. Just said, Lord, well, if that was from you and if there's something in that, I, I don't want to lose it. I don't want to lose the passion and the vivid sort of reality of it. And so I just carried it for a while. But I did think to myself, uh, the minister from Einan Baptist in, in the village, Phil and I know each other pretty well, We've become good friends over the years. I thought, I must tell him because I could basically see him from where I was sat, or his church, if you like. Um, so we tried for a while to get together, and various things kept coming up. We couldn't, couldn't do it. And then I had this text message from him, uh, John, can we, can we meet up? And so I said, uh, yeah, when do you want to do that? He said, I don't, I don't suppose you're free tomorrow. And this miracle happened. Both our calendars collided and we could do it. And so I was walking over to see him, thinking, Lord, just if it's right, let me know. You know, bring it up somehow. And we're talking away and we're catching up about kids and the state of the Welsh rugby team, all those kind of important topics that ministers talk about when they get together. And suddenly, he goes serious and he says to me, um, John, one of the reasons why I asked if you'd come and see me is the Lord's told me you've got something to tell me. And I thought to myself, it's not usual that I get quite a brisk slap across the face but doing it. So I shared with him what had happened and everything, you know, how vulnerable you feel when you share these kind of things, how silly it sounds coming out, all of that. Uh, and as I'm talking, Phil's eyes are filling up with tears. And he said when he became pastor of the church, one of the things he did was to ask the church, what are the prophetic words that you're holding on to? And for years, they've been, the Lord has been speaking to them about a dam upon the mountain and water flowing for some reason over the castle and then into all the streets and houses. I was just blown away by that. Uh, unbeknown to me, a couple of days later, he got a text message from somebody new to the church. He'd been out on a prayer walk and said a very similar thing, that they'd stood in a spot in the village and had this sense of water filling up around their ankles and flowing and going. And, and so they were holding that. And so I said, well, we've got to pray into this together. I managed to um, speak to one of the regional team and shared it with them. And they said, would you share it? 
with the minister's fellowship. So I did, and, and Phil did as well. And then a pastor from Caffili came running up to me. He's usually a very laid-back, quiet guy. And said, for about 18 months, the churches in Caffili have been having messages about water flowing over the same mountain. I shared this at the prayer and praise. Someone came up to me afterwards and said, I had a picture a while ago of water flowing, bursting out of here, pushing us all out of the church. But we joined this water that was coming down the road. Do you think that could be relevant? (laughs) I said, yes, I think that could be very, very relevant. But God seems to be speaking. One of the things I was hungry to do was to gather a bunch of leaders and to go and pray in that spot. And we did. I think it was about 10 different churches were were represented. Some people I I didn't even know were coming that I've never met before, just wanted to get in on it and just came as well. We stood together and prayed and confessed, God, so often we've gone on our own. We've tried to build our own thing and do our own thing. We've been so worried about whose name is on it or whatever it is. We just want to pray together just to release something. And it was an incredibly intense time, special time. Uh, I won't go into it all now, but an incredibly special sense of being surrounded by the atmosphere of heaven as, as we prayed together. One of the things we want to start doing as churches together is to gather together to worship and pray together. The more we spoke about that, the more we thought it's kind of crazy that we don't. Of all the things that we weren't wonder, should we do that? Is it okay for churches to get together to pray over an area together? So we're going to try and do that together. And try and do it more together, but I pass it on to you because I, I want to invite you to hold it, <coughs> to carry it, to, if you can do, make it part of your prayer regularly. God, whatever it is, just, just break it, release it, let it flow. One of the things that, as a leadership team, we've been praying into for a while is this new word, renew. It keeps coming up in various different places in various different ways. That the Lord is wanting to renew us, refresh us in our love and our passion for him, return the joy of serving the Lord to us in a fresh way, and in a new way. And I, I think it's part of that, but I think this is bigger. So I'm going to ask us today if we can hold that before the Lord and if we can pray into that together. I wonder if you'd stand with me for just a moment. I'm just going to invite you to bow your heart before God today. And to just listen for a moment to where this is landing for you. For some of us today, maybe there's an old vision that we've been reminded of. We just need to go back and test again and hold before God again. Maybe for others of us, that call to encourage has been like a a clarion call today. Maybe for others, there's that challenge to speak out, to share something the Lord has laid on our hearts with someone we know and trust and 
Ask them to hold it and carry it as well. But wherever this lands, my prayer for us is that we would be expecting. And so, Father God, as we continue to journey together, and perhaps especially through this season of hope and promise, Lord, would you raise our expectations? Lord, we know that you are the God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Our imagination is far too small. Our requests are far too small. But Lord, would you renew us, I pray, and encourage us in our faith. Heighten our expectation. Heighten our faith. Break down, Lord, the things in us and around us that block that, that flow the flow of your spirit. And Father, we pray today over this part of our city and this city and Kefili and this area that Lord Jesus, in your name, you might break the dam. In Jesus' name, would you break the dam? Lord, you've said that the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. So, Lord, in big ways and small ways, might your glory flow. Might you be lifted up. Might you be seen. And today, Lord, we want to give you our lives. Give back to you, Lord, the time, the talent, the treasure that you've entrusted us with place it in your hands and to say, Lord Jesus, it's not about us, it's about you. Not my will, God, but yours be done. Beautiful Lord, wonderful Savior, we surrender our lives afresh to the potter's hand.